Welcome to The Bomar Show. We are your hosts, Josh and Sarah Bomar. We hope this podcast will motivate, educate, and entertain you. Enjoy the show. Welcome back to The Bomar Show. We are on episode six, and we just want to thank you guys for subscribing and listening to our podcast. It has been super fun to bring you this content in this way. In episode six, we are going to talk about the nine pitfalls of dieting. And this podcast is not going to be about how to determine how many macros or calories you should be having every single day. We are going to assume that if you're listening to this and if you're really trying to get something out of it, you already know how many calories you're burning through throughout the day and you already know how many calories you should be eating to lose weight. And spoiler alert, if you don't know, it's 25% less than your TDEE. So this podcast, it will be, that can be a different show, but this one is not about how to determine those numbers. So just wanted to lay the foundation. And TDEE stands for total daily energy expenditure for all of you that are wondering. Yes. So the nine different things that we are going to talk about today are going to be listed in the show notes. So if you just want to hop to a specific one, you are more than welcome to do that. We would love if you listen to the whole thing, but we understand if you're just looking for specific answers. So the nine things that we are going to go over today are hidden calories, drinking calories, eating your carbs and fats together, weekend warriors, alcohol, eating back your calories, eyeballing food, stress eating, and overeating healthy food. So let's just get right on into the first one, and that is hidden calories. And a lot of people, you know, they, while they might think that there are calories or they understand the calories are in sauces and additives and things like that, some people might not really know how much or how many calories are actually in things like salad dressing or coffee creamer. And just for example, we pulled up ranch dressing and in two tablespoons of ranch, there can be upwards of 145 calories just in the dressing. That's not anything in the salad. And guys, we all know that they don't just put two tablespoons on your salad. It's like a swimming pool of dressing. Yeah, it's ridiculous if if you're going out to eat and getting a salad so what we what we recommend is asking for dressing on the side always and then before each bite just dip your fork in that salad dressing and you will get all the flavors of the dressing because it's directly on your fork and you really won't miss it and you will be shocked by the end of your salad how much dressing is actually left in the little ramekin that they bring you yeah literally you'll use like half a tablespoon I mean, it's unbelievable how effective that is, and you won't even notice. We're not talking about making a sacrifice here. We're just talking about making a a choice when you get there to have them put the dressing on the side and dip your fork, and you won't even be able to tell the difference. Pretty amazing. Absolutely. And another one that there's a lot of hidden calories, and if you're measuring these things and you're taking them into account, then they're not hidden. But a lot of people just mindlessly put coffee creamer in their coffee. You know, even if you have three, four, six cups and you're putting creamer in there, you're putting sugar, it can really add up at the end of the day. So what we recommend if you do need something in your coffee to make it taste not like coffee, we really recommend adding one of our Bomer Nutrition protein flavors in there to replace the creamer, replace the sugar, and give yourself a great healthy start to the day that's packed with protein and not necessarily packed with carbs and sugar. Yeah, I think I think a lot of people also need to realize if you add any sort of calories to your like coffee, you are breaking your fast first thing in the morning. So if you wake up and have a cup of coffee and it's black, you're technically still going to be fasting 
because you're you're not going to be spiking your insulin. So once you add in that sugar, you break your fast. And when you break your fast, that is the worst thing you can do is is add sugar and break it with carbohydrates because when you break your fast, you're basically like priming your body for what it's going to want to use for energy. And and if, so for that day, for that week, and what that means is if you are trying to burn fat, you want your body to be fat dependent. So it's burning your body fat. But if you're adding sugar to your coffee and that's the first thing you drink in the morning, you are 100% going to be making your body glucose dependent and or sugar dependent. So sugar turns into glucose. Glucose gets stored in your muscle and liver. And, and that's basically one of the the um, units of energy that your body can use. So if you break your fast, you want to break it with fat because then you can prime your body to use fat or protein and prime your body to use that as a source of energy, not sugar. So if you are needing something in your coffee, like Sarah said, adding in one of our proteins is a great source. And and I'm excited to plug this with for Bomer Nutrition because a lot of our proteins taste amazing in coffee and they're packed with protein, 22 grams, and only two carbs, and some of them a little bit less, and some maybe a gram more, and then only one and a half grams of fat. I mean, that's amazing. Absolutely, and that kind of brings us into our next topic, which is drinking calories. And I know as soon as I said that, everyone had the exact same thought of a sugary drink with caramel drizzled all over top of it from Starbucks. And some people, not everyone, but some people don't necessarily think of the calories in their drinks because they are drinking them and they can actually be some of the highest calorie dense things that you can put into your body. It still counts people. It still counts. So just for fun, because it is October, I pulled up the Starbucks website and in a grande pumpkin spice latte, there's 450 calories and 73 grams of sugar. That's literally like four Snickers bars. Yeah. That's craziness. So just be mindful of the drinks that you are consuming. The same goes for juice. The same goes for tea. The same goes for regular pop. There's smoothies, smoothies. People, fruit is not omitted from calories. Like fruit is extremely high, and fructose is a whole other a whole other topic. But guys, if you're blending up juices and and combining that into to a smoothie, you still have to count those calories. Don't think because it's quote-unquote healthy for you that it suddenly doesn't matter in terms of calories because it absolutely does. Absolutely. And a lot of times drinking your calories doesn't keep you full. So that's just something to be mindful of. And what's great is that if you do crave those sugary drinks or if you want like a fun coffee drink, we have a lot of those recipes on Bomer Nutrition's Instagram. A lot of our athletes post these kinds of recipes using our protein powder for like a third of the calories and hardly any sugar. So it's just a great alternative. And then if you do enjoy if you do enjoy regular pop, there's nothing wrong with Diet Coke. No matter what, what? no matter what someone wants to say. My friend Lacey did an amazing podcast on fake sugar and artificial sugar and the myths behind it and I will link that in the show notes below if you want to listen to it because she did a whole hour podcast on it and I think it's very beneficial especially if you have been tricked to be afraid of these artificial sugars yeah well everyone thinks they're going to cause cancer and if you actually research and read this case study where they're 
deriving this this information from it was pretty ridiculous what they did to get these rats uh, to to produce cancer cells and develop cancer cells from artificial sweeteners i think it was ridiculous don't hold me to this but it was like 10 times their body weight of artificial sweeteners before they ever saw any sort of of cancerous symptoms i mean we're talking like a horse's weight in an artificial sweeteners worth of consumption here and to think about how much is actually in a can of diet coke it's like in the milligrams so to get to a single pound of of an artificial sweetener would take a truckload of of drinking of this stuff i mean so guys don't be afraid of it it's not it's not bad for you everything in moderation but we did just want to offer some alternatives if you guys enjoy those kinds of drinks. And topic number three is eating your carbs and your fats together. Yeah, that's one of the biggest and worst things you could possibly do when you're trying to lose fat is combining carbs and fats. And I think to understand why this is, is to understand what carbs do to your body and fat too. But mainly whenever you eat sugar or carbs, you spike your insulin. And when your insulin spikes, it's kind of like the doorkeeper to your cells. When your insulin spikes, the cells open up. Insulin opens the cells. The cells are ready to absorb. And if you're eating carbs and fat, that makes fat getting into your cells so much easier and making storing so much easier. So in the presence of insulin, you will be storing. It causes your body to be in storage mode. So spiking your insulin with sugar or carbs and then also eating fat is a recipe of disaster. So you don't want to do that. You want to separate those. So for example, like if you're eating, I'm not saying you have to be keto or follow a low carb diet, but if you are eating carbs, you should not be eating whole eggs and your oatmeal. You should be making the choice to have oatmeal and then eat egg whites or vice versa. If you're eating a high fat diet, you shouldn't be eating you know, carbs of any kind with that. So then what you do is you eat the whole egg instead of just the egg whites. And so you you eat the fat with the protein and and eat a fattier choice of meat when you're eating a low-carb diet. But if you're eating a high-carb diet and still staying in a calorie deficit, you need to choose lean proteins. So brown rice and chicken, not brown rice and salmon. So that's that's where you can make a massive difference in, in your progress by taking out the carbs and fats together. So our fourth topic is what we like to call weekend warriors. And for a lot of people, they can do great Monday through Friday when they have structure, when they're going to work, they're waking up at the same time, their meals are the same time, they can meal prep, and then the inevitable happens. Friday night rolls around, Saturday, let's do brunch. Sunday, you're watching an NFL game, you're with your friends, you're day drinking, whatever the case may be. The amount of damage you can do on the weekends is astonishing. So for simple numbers, so like we said at the beginning, you need to be in a 25% deficit to lose body fat. So let's just say you're burning 2,000 calories a day. That means that you, if you're going to be in a 25% deficit, you need to be eating 1,500 calories a day. So just, a 500 calorie deficit yeah. per day. And to keep in mind, guys, there's 3,500 calories in one pound of fat. So you've got to burn 3,500 calories before you burn a pound of fat. And so if you're eating a 500 calorie deficit and you do that for five days, you burn 2,500 calories. Which is almost a pound. It's pretty good. So 
2,500 calories at a restaurant is not that much food. Right. It's so, pretty easy to do that. So you've burned 2,500 more calories than you have consumed. Correct. So in one cheesecake at the Cheesecake Factory, there's 1,100 calories. So let's say you get an appetizer, your meal, you have a glass of wine, and then you order cheesecake. And you eat that brown bread. And then you're eating up that bread with butter on mm -hmm. it. You literally could wipe out an entire four to five days of progress in one meal right. by being irresponsible right. and not understanding the actual consequences of that. So if you're dieting four to five days a week, but ruining it on the weekends, you should not be surprised when you don't get very good results. Or results at all. So what we like to teach our clients, I was going to say train, we like to teach our clients to think of their calories as a weekly average because no two days are ever going to be the same. So to say, oh, I burned 2000 calories today, tomorrow I burned 2020 calories, the next day I burned 1980, the next day I burned 1975. That's just unnecessary and you're not going to the Olympia and you don't need to be worrying about those things. What you need to be worrying about is your weekly average of calories. And when you frame it and you think of it like that, hopefully you will have a better understanding of just how detrimental a bad weekend can be. And this isn't to say you can't ever go out or you can't ever have a treat meal. We have a totally different podcast for that. We already have a blog on that. We have a YouTube video on that. This is not what we are talking about. We are talking about the 80%. And this isn't, again, we're, we're, this is all examples. We understand when you eat like a calorie surplus and, and there are some metabolic benefits where you burn maybe a few percent more calories and, and not everything's created equal. So again, don't hold us to these exact numbers. They're just examples and hopefully perspective is really what we wanted to give you guys. So what do you do on the weekends? Like, okay, well, I like to enjoy myself. I, I mean, what's the point of having a six pack if I'm miserable? You know, and that's probably what a lot of you are thinking out there. So what I would recommend you guys to do, if you do enjoy a little weekend craziness. And, and just to say this, everyone likes food. Everyone likes going out to eat. Everyone likes getting dolled up. It's not just people who are trying to lose weight that this is like their, their vice. Josh and I love going out to eat, but we make smart choices when we go out to eat. Right. So what I would recommend you guys to do is just plan a little ahead and intermittent fast. Make it hard for yourself to overeat on your daily inter on your daily consumption. You have to think of your daily consumption like a bank account and you're only allowed to spend so much of that money otherwise you're going to owe extra just like a bank. Mm -hmm. And that extra you're going to owe is is fat around your waistband. Yep, the interest the interest pounds. The interest pounds. Yeah. Yes, exactly. So if you think about that, you're like, okay, well, I really want to go to Cheesecake Factory and have X, Y, and Z, and it's my son's birthday, and I'm going to have cake, or it's my, my friend's party. I have a wedding, or my mom's cooking for me, or it's Easter, or I've got this, or that, or this, or that. We all have this and that. We all have that. So the point is, if you intermittent fast, and you, and you wait, and you fast for, let's say, 16 hours, then you eat that meal... That, that you're planning around, it's going to be very hard to eat over your daily consumption. Now, you'll have other issues like enzymes that aren't produced for that kind of food if you've been dieting pretty hard, and you'll have indigestion and some other issues and maybe constipation. And there's a lot of things that could go wrong, but at least you won't overeat your calories. So you're at least you're not going to have to deal with gaining so much fat. 
Right. So there are less repercussions. And it is almost 2020. Every restaurant pretty much has their nutritional information either online, on their website, on a calorie counting app, on their menu. If you ask for it, it is somewhere because everyone is allergic to something right now. And these restaurants have to have this information documented. So if you are, if you know, okay, Saturday night, Josh and I are going to go out to Texas Roadhouse. I know ahead of time that I'm going to have one roll, 200 calories, one salad with the dressing on the side, 100 calories, green beans, I think they're 100, and a six ounce sirloin steak, which is about 150 calories. I know that I'm going to have that meal. Then I can plan the rest of my calories around that meal and still stay on my diet. Yes. Again, you combine carbs and fats in that example, which is a big no-no. Right. But we're talking about if you are going to binge. Right. You know, so there's, as you can tell, there's ways to do a bunch of these things all at once in a single day. Combining carbs and fats, eating a calorie surplus. All those hidden calories. I mean, I mean, there's so much that can go into this that, that people don't realize have such massive effects. And so again, that, that was just examples of the epic binger. If you are going to do a binger, that's a intermittent fast. You know, try not to combine your fats and carbs if you can, but most of the time, the the guilty foods are fats and carbs. And when Josh says binge, he's not trying to trigger anyone with an eating disorder, so don't think that. It's just a fun way to say you're going to eat a ton of food. Um, so I, along with the weekend warrior aspect, alcohol plays a huge role in the enjoyment of the weekend. Yeah, and alcohol, guys, I I think we need to explain a little bit about alcohol and what it does to your body and how your body deals with alcohol along with how it affects your fat gain. So alcohol, for starters, has over seven calories per gram. Mm -hmm. I mean, next to pure lard, it has the highest calorie per gram ratio. Because yeah, fat, fats at nine, fats at nine. And you're talking about alcohol has seven, but that's not even the worst part about it. You know, al- alcohol, we all know alcohol is terrible on your liver. Well, that's because your liver is trying to break down and process the alcohol that you're drinking. And it's like freaking out, treating it like it's poison. So it says all hands on deck, everything else in your body basically shuts down and says, we got to deal with this alcohol right now. It is poison to our body. So any food that Hangover you over food, well, even if you're eating and drinking bar food, your body is not going to be breaking down that food in your stomach very easily because it's prioritizing the consumption and breaking down of that alcohol. So the food sitting in your stomach is likely to be stored as body fat. Big problem. Big problem. Yeah, not good. So your body will prioritize breaking down that alcohol because it sees it as a poison. So therefore, like I said, it will deprioritize breaking down the food. So therefore, it will be more likely stored as body fat. So not only are you getting the seven calories per gram of alcohol that you're drinking, but you're also having a more than normal fat storage effects happening from the food that you're eating. So if you are going to eat and drink, you're going to want to eat things that are more easily digestible. You know, rice cakes, stuff like that, easy foods to process and make that kind of decision. But Or decide not to eat while you're drinking. 
you'll feel the effects faster. But also, not all alcohol is created the same either. You know, so beer is like the worst thing you could drink because mm-hmm. there's other effects in there that affect estrogen, and then those estrogen make you store more fat. You know, so if you're going to drink, I know this is going to sound bad, but you're more likely to drink the pure stuff. Moonshine. I'm not even kidding you. I'm serious. And the reason is because it has a shorter half-life. So it gets you drunk way faster, like two or three times distilled vodka, for example. So you need less of it. Well, yeah. And it gets in your liver. Your liver deals with it and gets it out. So then your body can go back to processing food again. So if you are going to drink, drink the hard stuff. I feel really weird saying this. From Josh Bomar. Drink the hard stuff. Man, that's weird. Perfect. I don't encourage it. And but if you have if you if you are and you're like, hey, I just need a buzz and there you go. Drink the hard stuff, it's better for you, which I can't believe I'm saying that, but it's the yeah. truth. There's also so like we said multiple times, this is this is the eighty percent. This is the person who is actively trying to lose weight. Does that mean that I never drink. Absolutely not. I go to bachelorette parties in Nashville. We go to Vegas. We, you know, are with friends who are drinking. But for us, I would say I maybe drink five days out of the year. And it's just because it's not a priority of mine. Now, if we're going out and I don't want to drink, but everyone else is, I just act like I'm drinking. And I have a drink in my hand at all times. There are ways around it. And if your friends keep badgering you about why you're not drinking, lie and tell them you became allergic to it. (laughs) It's not hard. So don't let that deter you. You can still, you can even fit wine into your, into your, you know, night if you need it every other night, or if you just enjoy, I know everyone, all the moms out there and bachelorette night and I want to enjoy my wine and I can't give it up. Well then fit it into your macros fit the 70 or 140 or 200 calories into your macros. And then that's just 200 less calories that you get to eat during the day. And guys, just just a little um, light at the end of the tunnel. The leaner you are, the less likely, likely you will store fat from drinking alcohol. So if you are really overweight, you should probably stop drinking, truthfully. There's a ton of research on this, backing this up. But your fat cells, you know, that they cause excess fat whenever it's combined with, you know, the drinking of alcohol. You can easy Google and find that out. But the leaner you are, the less likely you are to store as much fat from drinking. So And the less you need to get drunk. Well, so get lean and then start drinking. There you go. Josh Bomer. Drink the hard stuff and then get lean and then <laughs> and then you can drink. So um the next topic that we had on our list was not measuring your food. And whether this is on a food scale, whether it's measuring it in a tablespoon or a cup, whatever the case may be, simply eyeballing your food will work when you become a more seasoned dieter. Do Josh and I measure every single thing? No, absolutely not. But we've also been dieting for almost a decade. Well, I've been doing it since I was like nine. Yeah. So you don't always have to do this, but you do need to teach yourself the skills in order to have that kind of skill. So if you're not measuring your food, let's just use peanut butter, for example, because it's very calorie dense. You could deter your entire day just by quote unquote eyeballing peanut butter and not measuring it or weighing it. It can really have some detrimental effects on you. I would love to see the average 
tablespoon yeah. and I'm doing air quotes with my finger of peanut butter because it would be like four tablespoons. It's like a mountain. Yeah. It's impressive what people can fit on on a, on a spoon with peanut butter. It, it really is. And that kind of leads us, I know I'm kind of hopping around from the order that we talked about at the beginning, but it also goes into people eating, and I'm using air quotes now, clean food. But still, oh, and back to the food scale. Sorry, really quick. They're really inexpensive and you can get them on Amazon. They're not, they're like $9. Yeah, I think they're under 10 bucks. Yeah. Free shipping. Yeah, so just follow the nutritional information on whatever you're eating. Weigh it, measure it, whatever the case may be. It'll really help when it comes to actually counting accurate macros. Also, eating quote unquote clean food. This is one of my biggest pet peeves. Do you know why? No, please tell us. So what do panda bears eat? They eat pretty clean. Bamboo. They literally eat trees. Would you trade your body with a panda bear? I mean, they're kind of cuddly. And squishy. Very squishy. And big. Soft. And they sleep all day. They sleep all day because all they eat is bamboo. So don't think that just because you're eating clean food, I don't even know what that means that you can eat an unlimited amount of it. Yeah, I mean, they're ca- not all calories are created equal, so I don't want you to think that you can get fat on broccoli. Right. But you need to understand like, okay, well, I'm just going to have broccoli to fill fill a void. And so then you roll it in oil and fry it up and then you eat it. Well, there you go. I mean, what you cook with plays a massive role too into this. Yeah. So don't think that just because you're eating a healthy food, but you cooked it, uh, in an unhealthy manner that now that it's still healthy because if you cook vegetables and oil odds are by heating it up it denatures it to the point to where it's just going to be fiber yeah and you're not going to get much vitamins out of it anyway but the point is is don't don't be fooled or naive by the fact of how you cook this this healthy food but you a hundred percent can get fat without eating carbs so don't think carbs are just the 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 all enemy. Oh, I'm not eating carbs, so I have a lot more flexibility with my fats, and I just don't need to measure this. That's that's not true either. Yeah. It's very hard to not overeat things like nuts, avocado, um, nut butter. Things that are high in fat are very calorie dense. And if you just sit there with your hand in the jar of mixed nuts and you're just mindlessly eating them, there's a 110% chance that you are going to eat more than you intended simply because you didn't measure it out ahead of time. So the same- It really it really doesn't take that long to measure this stuff either. You get a food scale, you get a little cup, you measure the cup, you you, you, you yeah. um, zero it out and then measure, bam, put it in a baggie and it, it takes a few minutes and you can measure an entire week's worth of snacks in under five minutes. Right, so it it these little tips should not deter you, but- Back to the quote-unquote eating, a pitfall of dieting is overeating clean food. So simply because you know that acai bowls are healthy, they are, but they're extremely high in calories. You've got the fruit, you've got the granola, you've got the juice that they blended it with, you've got the honey on top, you've got the cacao nibs, you have... What else? Peanut butter, peanut butter they that they that put on there. there, the chia seeds. So this quote unquote healthy bowl could sometimes be up to over a thousand calories. The same calories. And like Josh said, yes, the micronutrients are different. So don't think that a calorie in an acai bowl is the same calorie as a cheesecake bowl or cheesecake, but 
Cheesecake bowl sounds really good. Yeah, let's make that. Yeah, um, let's, let's make some cheesecake bowls. So an acai bowl might actually have more calories than that cheesecake from the Cheesecake Factory. Don't think because the food is healthy that it's it's omitted from the calories, especially fruit. I, I will go on the record and I'll say I don't think you should eat fruit when you diet. When was the last time you and I even had fruit? Nope. I don't think you should because it is so... I mean, fructose for one is just terrible. And, and I mean, guys... Fruit is so high in calories, and it not all fruits created equal. But I'm serious; it really is, and I think avoiding that would be a great idea. There's just there's so many other ways to get your micronutrients in: vitamins, greens, the whole nine yards. So, definitely a different podcast. But when I went on to Pinterest and I just googled healthy breakfast recipes, I was appalled by the amount of while they look healthy, like these energy bites. What are the ingredients? Oats, peanut butter, honey chocolate chips and that's it they combine carbs and fats they combine carbs and fats and how many of you are actually just eating two of these energy bites i would guess not a lot of you or are you actually measuring out the pro or the peanut butter and the honey and then the oats and there's just this idea that you can just eat quote-unquote healthy again once you become a seasoned dieter that might work for you but in the beginning you really do need to make sure that you aren't just eating "quote unquote" healthy food with unlimited Smoothies boundaries, yeah, are extremely high in calories. Guys. Extremely, when you consider the fruit, the juice, the peanut butter, pretty much everything that's in an acai bowl. Yeah, well, I I do like my occasional acai bowl. They're really fun to eat, and they're very pink. But again, we are talking about the nine things that are commonly mistaken for good. Mm-hmm. We're not saying this is this is a nose forever. We're just saying this is a common mistake people make that don't know they're making. This whole right. podcast is is meant to be helpful. Yeah. So don't sit over there and be rubbing your head and say, wow, I can't do anything. You know, we're just, just trying to be helpful realize. and give you guys proper perspective yeah. that make sure you're counting the calories where, where it actually counts. Absolutely. So that kind of brings us into our second to last point, which is stress eating. Yeah, well, I mean, stress eating is another major problem, especially in today's world. I mean, we live a pretty stressful life if you really think about it. So I think all of us know that um, cortisol and stress go hand in hand, right? As your stress levels go up, so does your cortisol levels. And cortisol actually by itself is pretty fat burning, truthfully. But when you combine cortisol and insulin, that's when your body goes into a very peculiar state. Mm Mm-hmm. And that state is store everything as fat. Perfect. Yes, it's not good. So, and I don't know if this is some sort of survival thing to where if you're stressed, you're going to need more calories because you're going to have to fight more. I don't know. Not many people have to fight nowadays. I mean, I haven't seen a saber-toothed tiger in a while. so I saw one the other day. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, but the point is eating in a stress situation is not good because you're going to be combining insulin with cortisol and cortisol and insulin combined put your body into a very fat storing state and that is self-combust mode that is not what you want to do it will slow your progress down so what do you do if you're going to have a very stressful day so it's like a big day i would intermittent fast amen i mean yeah it's going to be a little easier for you you're not going to gain as much fat you're not Mm going to have and you're going to have some cognitive benefits from dealing with your stress, you know, if you are fasted, because your body's going to be using ketones as a fuel of a form of energy. Mm-hmm. 
And there's definitely a lot of cognitive benefits for that. You'll be a little sharper. So if you're going to have a stressful day, then you should probably just fast. I think the answer to all of this, honestly, is fast until about one in the afternoon and then stop eating at eight, <laughs> eight at night, now, fasting, which is a different podcast. Fasting but. isn't for everybody, but it is It is. It is a great way of dieting. It does give you a little more flexibility. Um, I think everyone should experiment with fasting mm-hmm. um, if you have certain you know, blood sugar issues and then yeah, maybe fasting isn't for you. But I also think if you're trying to build a lot of muscle, fasting all the time or fasting too much is a bad idea, you know, because your body will adapt to use less energy. So, I mean, if you fast all the time, you're going to be, your body will learn how to use less and do the same, do the same things every single day with less energy. You don't want that to happen. So fasting all the time is not the answer. But I think, again, I think uh, I think we're we're making some good progress here. Yeah. So after and if you are stressed, I mean, we all know the benefits of exercise. That's a great way to hopefully you know release some of those good healthy hormones and hopefully take the stress away even just a little bit. If you think that you're going to stress eat, just don't buy the foods that you stress eat with. That's one of the most important tips. If you don't have it in the house, it is very hard to get in your car, drive to the store, buy it. You will, you'll really have what they call dieters remorse if you don't have it in the house. So that's just another fun little tidbit. If you do feel like you're going to stress eat, just make it harder on yourself to do it. And obviously it can't always be avoided, but it is something to be mindful of because I don't think that it's talked about a lot when it comes to dieting. So, Our last tip or last pitfall is eating back your calories. And what does this mean? I have a very popular blog on this and I get this question not often, but when I do, it really, it really makes me sad because it's, it's a fault of a very popular app. Should we mention the app? No, not going to mention the app. So I think actually most of them do this. So for example, you have two different numbers that are very important when it comes to dieting, your BMR and your TDEE. Your BMR stands for basal metabolic rate, and that includes all of your calories that you burn while you sleep, while you walk around, while you digest food, while your brain works, while your blood moves throughout your body. Everything that your body needs and all those calories to survive. Your TDEE takes your activity into account. Your exercise, if you have a high-demand active job. So those two numbers are very important. Well, let's, and by the way, your basal metabolic rate makes up about 70% of your daily calorie consumption right. and exercise and activity only makes up 30%. So if you're looking at which one is more important, the basal metabolic rate is. For sure. So if let's just say for very simple numbers, your BMR is 1250 and your TDEE is 1750. So with all of your activity on a weekly average, you are burning 17, 1750 calories when it comes to your exercise. So a lot of people, they see that number and then they see, okay, well, I'm eating 1300 calories to lose weight. Perfect. Congratulations. But then they exercise and they're logging their calories and they're doing everything right. And then instead of the 1300 calories in this app, it then bumps them up to 1500 calories because it knows that they worked out. So then instead of having this 25% deficit, you've really shortened it to about 10%. 
because you're eating back those calories that you're burning, but you want to keep that deficit. Does that make sense? Yeah, and a lot of those apps it, that that help you track food and all that are actually very inaccurate whenever it comes to how many calories you're burning. They always overestimate. Think about a lawsuit if they starved somebody. So they they always overestimate. From our experience, that is they are not correct. Yeah. So they, I would not use their calculators. Yeah, so use their tools to log, but don't necessarily use the numbers that they give you to lose weight. Of. They're a great baseline, they're a great guideline, but don't always take them as Find as Find viable. a coach that, that'll sell you a diet plan that, that you actually trust. It doesn't have to be us, you know, but it can be. And But definitely try to find someone that, can, that you trust to, to be able to calculate your total daily energy expenditure. Yeah. Because so it will vary from person to person. So at the end of the day, you should not be eating back your calories. You want to remain in that deficit state if you are trying to lose weight. So that kind of wrapped up all nine points of our dieting pitfalls. We really hope that this helped you guys. We hope that it didn't confuse you in any way, shape, or form. We hope that it did not discourage you. We really just hope that it opened your eyes to maybe some possible mistakes that you didn't even know you were making. And now that you know, you can fix them and start making even more progress than you already were. Yeah, I, 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 again, we hope this podcast helped. And there obviously are way more pitfalls that people, we just picked our top nine. And, and you know, the, that can change. But I really feel like this is the top nine that we've experienced um, with our clients and everything else that that's made the biggest mistakes. And we want everybody out there to be the best version of themselves. And if you're eating too much stupid salad dressing and that's keeping you from being the best version of yourself, that just seems ridiculous to me. So we don't want you guys to fall trapped to any of these pitfalls. We want you to be the best versions of yourself. And so I hope this came across helpful and useful and and all of our podcasts are going to be like this, you know, just helpful and useful. Absolutely. So we thank you guys and we will see you over in episode seven.